I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Chinese-ish, an SBS podcast about young Chinese Australians for young Chinese Australians. My name is Wang. I'm a journalist and a former Chinese international student. I'm recording from Gadigal country. I'm Mark. I'm a fresh out of uni graduate and a young Chinese Australian. I'm recording from Wurundjeri country. In each episode, we'll be talking about a theme that reflects the daily life of a young Chinese person living in Australia. In today's episode, we're going to talk about food, which, yeah, it's something that's never really far from conversations about being Chinese in Australia. But I also feel like young people have some pretty distinct experiences with Chinese food, right? In terms of what we make and how we make it in this highly globalized contemporary context, if you like. So Wing, on that note, can you cook? I know that you asked this question deliberately, Mark, because you know me. So my answer is yes and no. Yes as in I do know how to cook. I've been in Australia for almost eight years by myself. And certainly I know how to cook rice. I know how to cook pasta. I know how to do vegetables to feed myself. But for some people, like my mom, they wouldn't think that I actually can cook. I'm not sure about you, Mark, but I feel that mom usually have a really different opinions about your level of cooking skills. Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty similar situation. I can make some simple stuff as well, but very much struggle to cook without a recipe in front of me. But your mom worked in a Cantonese restaurant in China, right? I assume she would have higher standards in terms of cooking. Yeah, that's one aspect, but also I'm a busy person, so I tend to make some really simple dishes, for example, like fried eggs, or I would just go to a supermarket and grab some ingredients that are already pre-made and then mix them up. But you know that Chinese food really emphasizes freshness, right? Especially in Cantonese cuisine, it emphasizes so much about the freshness of the ingredients and the fact that you make it spontaneously. So from my mom's perspective, like if you are only getting the fish meat from a fridge from the supermarket rather than buying a whole fish and then cut it yourself, that's not really cooking. On the other hand, though, this is probably a little bit stereotypical, but I think Chinese moms love using spices and sauces and whatever ingredients that they can add to make the food taste really good while it's really natural. And usually when you look for these ingredients in Australia, you have to go to the Asian supermarket. You can't just go to Woolies or Coast and then you, I mean, they do have, but there's not a lot. So in the end, if you're going to do grocery shopping, you need to spend more time to prepare for an actual Chinese cooking. And I think that's why I love going easy one. And I think that's also one reason why my mom never considered my cooking is really authentic or in a way that's really Chinese style cooking. 
Yeah, I definitely can't do chicken or fish from scratch or anything like that. I'm still living at home at the moment, so usually the time-consuming stuff is up to my parents, mum especially. She's the one in the household who cooks the kind of super authentic Chinese stuff. We make dumplings a lot as a family, kind of all around the dinner table, doing that together, so that's really big in our household. We also love our kind of spicy sour noodles and our wontons, um, all of that you know, really authentic Chinese stuff. But it usually means that when I cook, I'm keen to branch out and try new foods as well. So I don't think my cooking is that authentically Chinese anyway. You know, like you said, it's a lot of pasta, rice, salad, noodles, soups even, but nothing kind of specifically authentically Chinese. I think that's an issue for our generation too. Like for those who are in their 20s, like us, we grew up with fast food. We don't really pay much attention to what we are cooking, as long as it's quick and yummy, and then we are fine. And that's kind of what we'll be discussing today. In particular, how do young Chinese Australians approach cooking today? How do they cook Chinese food amidst busy study and work and other commitments? And how do they feel about cooking and food in their life generally? And I heard that you have invited a celebrity chef to our show today. Yeah, so today we're joined by Yonina or Yo-Yo Yang, who competed on MasterChef Australia 2021. Besides cooking, she's currently a medical student at the University of Adelaide. Hi, nice to meet you guys. And we're also joined by Chelsea Chum, a master's student in behavioural psychology, who is a hobbyist baker and all-round food enthusiast. She also dabbles in pottery. Hello. I guess for most of us, cooking is a hobby, but Yo-Yo, I have to ask, is food sort of a side hustle for you or the front hustle compared to literally studying medicine? I've always wanted it to be kind of like on par with each other. Right now, it has taken a little bit of a backseat as a side hustle because I'm on full-time placement, which means, you know, I spend like 7am to like 5pm at hospital. Then I kind of come home and then it kind of just like... I just get a cooked dinner. But I still do occasional things like um, catering or cooking classes for friends and, you know, close friends and family friends and just random bits and bobs on Instagram, essentially. Just whenever I have time, I'll just throw it in. Um, But I do get a bit lazy sometimes and I know I should post more content. (laughs) That sounds really hectic to me, like you study medicine while you cook on the other side. What made you want to start cooking? I always kind of grew up around food. Like food was a big part of my family life with my parents and also my grandparents when they would come over and visit my family from China. So I've kind of always grew up around that. And my brothers are, well, I wouldn't say they're big foodies, but they eat a lot. Like they eat like horses essentially. So it's always been a big part of my family to cook for people. And I guess it's how I express my love to others. Like, you know, I might be angry at you, but I'll still cook for you, which means I've forgiven you. Oh, I love that. Was it similar for you too, Chelsea, or sort of what role does food play in your life? Similar to Yo-Yo in the aspect that like a lot of our family bonding takes place over food. People with Chinese backgrounds were lucky because we come from a food-based culture. So food really is a facilitator for a lot of other things like culture bonding, family bonding. Chelsea, I'm curious how food fits in around your study and your pottery side hustle. Is it something that you kind of come back to a lot as a cultural touchpoint? Yeah, so I think I should probably specify, I do a lot more baking. So as opposed to Yo-Yo, who's kind of, you know, cooking, baking a little bit more all-rounder, for me, it's definitely more baking than it is cooking. I wasn't a huge baker prior to lockdown, 
I really picked that up as a hobby during lockdown and all the spare time that we had. Like basically the only activity that I could do was like go to the grocery store. And it's definitely kind of hard trying to balance that hobby with my full-time studies and my pottery side hustle. But for me, it's quite a cathartic process. So I enjoy doing it to just like de-stress. How did you learn cooking? Did you do it yourself or from your parents? My parents don't bake. My mum hates using the oven. It's like her worst enemy. That's probably why I didn't start picking this up until like I was stuck at home all the time and I actually had access to the oven and I could persuade my mum to just let me use it. But my mum definitely is the one who taught me more about cooking, like how to cook, how to look after myself, you know, sustenance, all that sort of stuff. And my grandparents don't live with us in Australia, so they live in Macau. And when we do go back, like I, I will hang out in the kitchen, see what's going on, you know, what's up. But I find that personally, I'm more interested in the food and the ingredients. So like I love going to markets, love going grocery shopping with my parents, grocery shopping with my grandparents when I'm like back back in Macau, back in China. I find great enjoyment out of that. Similar to Chelsea, I started learning from my dad, actually. My dad is the cook of the house, which is usually very surprising to most people whenever I mention that. My mum did more baking, but also she also didn't really like using the oven either. Yeah, so it's, it's kick-started with my dad teaching me how to cook. And then when my grandparents who are living in China would come over, I'd you know cook with them because they'd spend most of the day at home. And then if I was on holidays, which is when they would come over, I'd just spend the day in the kitchen with them as well. To what extent has your relationship with your parents cooking or food in general kind of changed throughout your lives? I think it's develop like how your independence kind of develops as you grow older as well at first it kind of always started off with hey you watch us how to cook but they also never taught you properly it's be like put a dash of this and a dash of that and like taste it and see how you feel so you're just kind of like okay I'm just gonna learn on a whim and see how it goes which is kind of like what growing up was like for me just kind of like learn as you go along so even now when my dad asked me to like teach him certain recipes I'm like oh you put a dash of this, dash of that, and dash of that, essentially. So you just throw it right back at him. But I think nowadays there's a bit of a power struggle in the kitchen every now and then because my dad still cooks a lot, but then I also want to cook as well. And then sometimes we will have like minor arguments about how to cook certain dishes, especially if they're from our hometown. Do you think cooking with your dad has brought you two closer together? I think it has, definitely. He will send me a lot of cooking videos nowadays going like, oh, we should try and cook this together. Whereas we used to be kind of just like me going, hey, dad, can you cook this for me, actually? (laughs) So it's definitely a bonding time, as with most cooking in my family. But what are your parents' thoughts on your cooking? Like I mentioned before, my mom never saw my cooking as cooking. She just said that my cooking style was way too un-Chinese, but also very Western because I just tend to make simple dishes like salad. And then she was just like, this is way too simple. This is not Chinese. You're living in a Western lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. But do you think there are generational differences for how you think of food compared to your parents? My mum is kind of similar in that um, it's not that she doesn't acknowledge my baking as like actual baking. I've had a couple of times where she's tried my things, like I'll bake a cake or whatever. She's like, it's not too sweet. I'm like, that's it. That's the ultimate. Like she's acknowledged me. There we go. And there've been a couple of times like she'll be like, can I take half these cookies you made to work? Wow. The ultimate praise. She works in a place like full of like other Asians. So she thinks it's good. She thinks it's not too sweet. Very, very happy. But with that being said, she doesn't reckon my food is like un-Chinese, but it's more that it's not something that she would make. 
in that the flavors that I use in my baking, the ingredients that I use. But with that being said, a lot of the ingredients that I use are Asian ingredients. Like I love using matcha in my baking, love using things like yuzu, love incorporating like red bean. So they're flavors that, you know, she's somewhat familiar with. Strictly speaking, not all of them are Chinese. So there's there's that aspect. I feel like there's something there around that kind of first-gen traditional versus second-gen kind of diasporic set of ingredients. It's a very different kind of set of flavors, right? Yeah, I think that's actually a really good way of putting it. I see my cooking and my cooking style and the, I suppose, the taste palettes that I like using a lot more in line with the tastes of the larger diaspora as opposed to something that's like traditionally Chinese, culturally Chinese. You know, I like experimenting with these ingredients, whereas I find that a lot of like traditional cooking is things that my mum makes and stories about other Chinese parents. They don't really deviate much from those traditional ingredients and they're not really as open to like trying out these new cuisines, these new flavours. Whereas a lot of the diaspora, like we love trying out new Asian cuisines. We love trying out the Asian cuisines of like our friends from different Asian countries, um, different ingredients, fusion. What about you, Yo? How do you fit with that sort of parents cooking versus your cooking style? Is there a contrast? I think a bit different to Chelsea. Mine is quite similar to my parents in terms of the Chinese side of it. I grew up with a wuxi cuisine, which is my hometown is. So my cooking style is quite similar to that. But I do like to expand into other regions because I love Sichuan food and like just spicy food in general. So I do expand into that. And they've never really had anything negative to say about it. It's just the subtle praises like the not too sweet not too bad, and we'll finish the bowl and go for seconds, essentially. So it's the, those three subtle indicators that you know you've actually done a decent job. <laughs> so, yeah, there's never been too much of a issue with my cooking style. And when I cook things from, like, other Asian cuisines or, like, Caucasian cuisines, um, you know, even though they don't really understand it as much, they still are willing to try it because my brothers are very whitewashed. So they always want Italian food, essentially. So my parents just kind of, like, put up with it and just try it. And they're quite open to most foods nowadays. But, like, similar to what you're saying, Chelsea, about, like, you know, our generation kind of being more explorative about combining different Asian cuisines together. It's quite a nice generation, I think, where we can combine all this together. Whereas, you know, back then it was like herbal grass jelly, you know. Yo-Yo, when you went on MasterChef, did you ever feel the pressure of showing up your Chinese identity during your cooking? I think I was a little bit confused at first because I kind of broadcasted myself as cooking Asian food, because not specifically just Chinese food. Like I was also, you know, I really like cooking Korean food, Japanese food, uh, Viet food, etc. But then I kind of felt like I had to hone in on one space specifically, and that just happened to be Chinese food, specifically from my hometown. Um, I think it's just a tunnel hole vision that kind of happens when you are in like um, TV production, because you have to be able to in a sense, market yourself, because in the end, it is a TV show and you do have to market yourself somehow. So I think I kind of naively tunneled myself into a Chinese food space rather than opened it up to a more just kind of Asian food in general. Yeah. But that being said, like, I do, I do love my Chinese culture and I'm proud of it. So I was happy to kind of represent that more on television as well. And just to, you know, inform people that, you know, it's not just like, Chinese food like there is just there are several different regions around with several different types of food and I don't just eat Sichuan food (laughs) when I say spicy food yeah 
Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that kind of applies to the East Asian kind of diaspora in general. I feel like for an outsider, uh, a lot of the food that we eat looks pretty similar, probably. But if you trace things back to like the country or even their region of origin, restaurant by restaurant, like it's all going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I think that's actually like a really interesting point that like not all Chinese food is the same. I think like even as Chinese people, we kind of like accidentally fall into that trap a little bit as well. I, I know that often. I think also because like I'm, I don't know if it's lucky, but um, yeah, because my parents like come from you know like the Guangdong region, like the south, and like a lot of the early early immigrants are also from that area. A lot of the westernized Chinese food, those that you know that one Chinese restaurant on Chinatown. They are adapted versions of dishes that, like, me and my family are already used to eating. And so sometimes I don't actually stop to think, hang on a minute, there's actually other regions in China and, like, not everyone eats the same as me, even though we all look the same. Because that reminds me, like, when my parents would go to Chinese restaurants, there would be ones there they don't like because of the region that the chefs would come from because it just tastes, like, that little bit different to what we're used to, essentially, right? So it's just, like, those specific ones you don't go to because they taste a little bit different to what you're used to, but then there's the ones that you go to because they're from the same region, so you, you can, like, the taste is similar, essentially. I think it's also, like, an interesting discussion because, yeah, like, the diaspora at large, I feel, has a more common taste palette than, you know, our parents or, you know, fresh immigrants. And that's kind of when, yeah, the differentiation kind of comes in when you're talking to, yeah, diaspora, third culture kids as opposed to immigrants. Honestly, when our family goes out for Chinese food, we literally drive across town, a specific restaurant that's like 50 minutes away. And I've never stopped to think like, why do we actually make such a big journey for like that specific restaurant? But it must, yeah, it's the regional stuff, right? (laughs) 100%. Actually, you know what? It's like when non-Asian people or, like, just non-Chinese people ask you for recommendations for Chinese food. Like, what's a good mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant? I literally <laughs> cannot answer that question. I'm like, do you want what I personally yeah, like or yeah. what I think you yeah. would like based off of your taste, you know? And it's like, I cannot give you recommendations for, like, Sichuan cuisine. I cannot give you recommendations for, like, northern Chinese cuisine. I can only <laughs> give you recommendations for Cantonese cuisine. And I don't know if that's your idea of what Chinese food is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, my parents are all are both in the Chinese restaurant business. So that doesn't help either because it's, like, they have the insider knowledge. They're like, oh, we can't go there. Like, we know that chef, like, don't like him as a person. So it's like, okay, we can't go to that restaurant ever again now. Uh, or it's like, oh, yeah, we can't go there because, like, the manager there, like, they're an asshole. You know, can't go, <laughs> can't go there anymore. It's like, oh, no, no, we have to go to this particular place because we know that guy. They'll give us a discount. Okay, cool. Like, queue 15-minute car ride. Chelsea, have you ever been in a situation where, I mean, not necessarily MasterChef, you know, but any kind of life situation where you felt like you really needed to lean into or play down your Chinese cooking? Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. Definitely not similar to yo-yos in that it was quite, you know, so broadcasted on a on a national stage. Um, but during my undergrad, I spent a year in Berlin. Um, and although Berlin is a very multi- multicultural European city, um, I think the emphasis should be placed on the word European. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of like authentic Asian cuisine. Um, actually, not even just authentic, like fusion. There wasn't a lot of it. And the stuff that I could find, it wasn't of the caliber and the quality that I was used to from Melbourne, from Australia. Um, and it, it was actually like, to, to kind of bring it 
to give it a more, you know, broad perspective, it wasn't even just beyond like, oh, you know, when I would go to potlucks, I'm like, oh my God, like, what do I make? Like, do I make something Chinese? Do I make something just Western in general that I'm more comfortable making because the ingredients are accessible to me? But it was also kind of just like an, an identity crisis as well. It's like all of a sudden this like very crucial bridge between me and my culture food was inaccessible to me. So how do I practice my culture? And then it's also you're in Europe, you look Chinese. So people just assume you're Chinese, but no, actually, like I grew up in Australia. I'm Australian. No, nah, but what you said, Chelsea, brings me back to like my childhood, kind of like identity crisis back when I was a kid, when you used to bring your Chinese lunch to school and you'd open it up and it has that, that very distinct smell and you'd kind of be like, oh, yeah, not this again. <laughs> no, so I've been growing up as a kid, I was always like, hey, mom, can you like pack me sandwiches and like maybe like schnitzel and like kind of... Caucasian vibey food so it doesn't like sync up the whole classroom but then like once I hit high school I was kind of like hey um this is not it I want warm food for lunch I am going to bring my fried rice and like whatever leftovers I had from last night that's it. I actually had the opposite experience where my mum was explicitly told when I started school not to pack me Chinese food so like older relatives who had immigrated before her family friends were like don't pack her Chinese food pack her sandwiches And I guess I never had that experience of like, oh my God, like my lunch looks different to everyone else's. But at the same time, it did look different to everyone else's because everyone else was like, they'd have their salt and vinegar chips, they'd have these like really nice sandwiches, like the peanut butter, their like cream cheese. I would get ham and cheese every day without fail on like white bread. And I got so sick of it. I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. Like, can you pack me fried rice? Like I had, I was like... (laughs) I think about like the second half of high school no not even like probably earlier like the start of high school onwards it was like warm lunches every day um yeah like fried rice noodles all that sort of stuff and I think like at one point my mom got so sick of it she's like can you please just go back to eating sandwiches like I don't want to pack you this like elaborate lunch anymore in your (laughs) present day life when you're feeling you want Chinese food is it sort of you would circle back to mum and dad first? Like that would be the first port of call or would you like be Google searching recipes before you tried mum and dad? I 100% I go to my parents. And this was a thing that I discovered when I was in Berlin by myself. And that and also because I'm illiterate in Chinese. So I can't really read all the authentic forum. All I can do is go and you like, you know, butcher, like whatever I think it's called in Chinese, write it out in English, look up a YouTube tutorial. And so for me, my first port of call is always, always mother what do I do? So, you know, multiple times when I was in Berlin by myself, like I would literally have my mum on FaceTime and she would guide me through, how do I cook this one soup? How do I stir fry this one dish? What are the ingredients? I think I literally took her to the supermarket with me at one point. No, definitely. I mean, I do half, half, like definitely if it's something that I'm used to eating at home, it would just be like, Hey dad, like, how do I, how do I do this? Or Hey mom, how do I do this? But then if it's something that I know that they've never cooked before, I might ask them just about, Hey, like, can you help me out with this? But sometimes I'll just search it up. Or if I'm feeling up for using my Chinese, I'll call my grandma and be like, hello. (laughs) Can you take me through it very, very, very slowly? Thank you. What do you think of authenticity in relation to Chinese food? I feel like 
nowadays authenticity like the terms kind of it's a big bag essentially i think something that's authentic should at least take some aspect from the culture whether it's a tradition or like a belief regarding the food or something about the region that that food came from whether that ingredient was specifically um, available in that region or like i think even if it's something that your family would do like that's authentic in its own sense i think everyone's idea of authentic is quite different like what my family would believe to be authentic might not be to the next family because that's just not what they do and I think recipes these days online especially are all pretty good in terms of like authenticity because people have done their research and um, even if it's from like in region that they don't know of they've done their research whether it's talking to people there or just doing online research like I think it's quite accessible these days to have recipes that are authentic to some degree. On that note what would you consider the most authentic Chinese dish you have ever made? From the sense of family, it would definitely be wuxi braised pork ribs. That would be one of the most authentic things. But something that I've just kind of done on my own would be Peking duck. You know how they have the duck on the hooks and stuff like that in like the restaurants, right? So no hooks at home. So I shove like a, like a vodka cruiser bottle up the duck so it could stand up. <laughs> Because the vodka cruiser bottle is the stand, and here I'm like basing the duck and like brushing the duck and like putting it into my fridge. And you open the fridge, and they're just like a duck staring at you. Wow, the food of Peking duck is so delicious, but the process sounds so daunting. <laughs> but I guess just reflecting on this discussion we've been having so far, the one question that's on my mind a little bit is, what even really counts as a Chinese dish to begin with these days? I don't know if there are clear cut lines anymore between like Chinese food. Asian food, westernized or modernized versions of Chinese food. I do think there still is a line that separates Chinese food from Korean food, from Japanese food. And a lot of that kind of harks back to the culture, to the traditions that connects the food with the culture. With that being said, when you talk to people from diaspora, the lines are definitely more blurred because... You know, when you are diaspora, you've lost that immediate access that you have to culture and tradition that your parents have had. So you kind of, going back to the discussion of adaptability, you kind of just have to make do with what you have. And, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to the matter of representation, our cuisines aren't nearly as well represented as non-Asian cuisines are. As, like, look at Italian food. Like, the proliferation of Italian food in Australia, Greek food in Australia, is absolutely, like, tenfold what Chinese food is, even though we do have all those like westernized Chinese restaurants. And so as diaspora kids, kind of like what we do with culture more broadly, kind of just like adopting bits of it, bits of each other's culture, you know, like almost all Asian kids watch anime, almost all Asian kids have listened to at least one K-pop song. We do the same with food. The fact that bubble tea, which came out of Taiwan, has basically just been adopted by the, the wider diaspora is like case in point, example one. And recently with like malatang, with hot pot, dragon hot pot, things like that. Again, just completely, completely adopted by the culture. It's things like that that blurs the lines between what is Asian more broadly and what is, you know, what's specifically Korean, what's specifically Chinese. Yeah, so I guess coming back to, yeah, these boundaries and these different categories, I'm curious, what do you make of these yo-yo? And I'm curious whether being in the MasterChef kitchen around a bunch of other cooks, like a lot of Asian cooks, if I recall correctly, changed your perceptions of this? Yeah, I think um, 
these categories, once again, there are, there are definitely mixed lines, depending on how you grew up as well. Like, especially if you grew up being surrounded by Asian kids of other cultures, you kind of take in a bit of everything. You take in different methods. Like when I cook as well, I take in Japanese and Korean methods of cooking and put that into my Chinese cooking, essentially. Well, I combine just random different methods together, like whatever suits pretty much. So I wouldn't ever say my food is purely just Chinese. There are different techniques that I've taken from different cuisines and cultures and I've applied that throughout my cooking but it's hard once again like on television it was I had a hard time just trying to figure out what I considered to be I suppose Chinese versus what other people considered to be Chinese. Eric on my season was also from the same hometown and you know we essentially cooked the same food but if there were things he did that I wouldn't do because it's just different families once again. But it's interesting was like, I guess, once again, Caucasian foods, you know, if you ask someone the difference between Italian and Greek food, they'd be able to tell you quite instantly. Whereas if you were to ask the same was, oh, can you tell the difference between Chinese and Japanese food? They'd be like, oh, you know, there's both rice. And the food we eat in our generation is definitely a bit of a subculture, I'd say, because everyone eats quite similarly. Like you will have like, you know, Korean hot pot or like, you know, Tom Yum hot pot, but then there's also mala tongue and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite, it's quite a mixed bag of things, I reckon. But it's, I think it's good because it's, you can easily access so many different cuisines nowadays and, you know, used to not be able to do that. Look, I think there's one question that's still on my mind a little bit about food and culture. And it harks back to what I said at the start of the episode, I think around. Just food is never really that far from conversations about culture. I think on the one hand, it's a really easy access point. But on the other, maybe it's also a bit of a reductive way to talk about something that really runs much deeper, right? I wonder what you guys think about this. I kind of have to disagree in the fact that it's reductive, um, especially as from the diaspora point of view. Yeah, obviously there's a lot more to culture than what we eat. But at the same time, it is such like an easy access point. If you want to connect more with the culture, any culture, it doesn't even have to be Asian, the first thing you do, probably go eat some of their food. And I think for diaspora in particular, because it's such an easy touch point, such an easy access point, it really shouldn't be like underestimated its significance to us. Going back to my experience in Berlin, like I literally had like a crisis, like an identity crisis because I didn't have access to these foods that were like so integral to like me and my connection with my ethnicity, with my culture, with my, pa- with my parents, with my family. So I think food, it might not completely encompass a cultural identity, but it plays a huge part, especially as well as like East Asians and so much of East Asian culture is food bound. I can't speak on behalf of other cultures, but for us at least, I think it's significant. It's definitely significant. To kind of tie in hand in hand very strongly, if you want to learn more about someone, it's usually like it would be food, you know, like if I if I were to go out on a date with someone, it'd be like, it would be one of our cultures kind of food because it's like, it's a starting point essentially. You go, oh, you know, do you usually eat this at home? Or, um, you know, does your family usually cook this kind of food? It's like an easy way to, I guess, seep into conversation. And I've always found it hard with, I guess, people that don't really like food that much. And I find it a little bit hard to start a conversation because I'm like, oh, you know, like, what do you like about food from your culture? They're like, oh, I just kind of eat. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, do you know anything about this specific food from your culture? Nope, I just eat whatever. Okay, sure, bye. (laughs) 
it's hard. It's, it's actually really hard. You don't have to be a complete foodie, but like as long as there's like a little bit like, I do like food and you can talk about it a little bit, like it's it's really easy for me to get along with you. But I don't know, it's, it's, I think once again, like food and culture tie in hand in hand and it's definitely a point of conversation with people and it's a step to getting to know someone, essentially. Thank you for listening to Chinese-ish, an SBS podcast about young Chinese Australians for young Chinese Australians. This episode was hosted by Wing Kuang and Mark Yin. Our sound designer is Max Gosford. Thanks also to Rachel Sibley, Caroline Gates and Tanya Lee for their support. For more about Chinese-ish, follow us on our social media or check out our website sbs.com.au slash Chinese-ish. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.